Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke. Today, we speak to a big star in the world of government communications. Dr. Michelle Harrison is the global CEO of Kantar Public and the founding CEO of WPP Government and Public Sector Practice. She's responsible for the effectiveness of Kantar's public work around the world, and she supports the delivery of major projects. Michelle has worked with government and corporate clients in every continent across all aspects of public policy and public affairs. Her career has included time in academia, international development, strategy, marketing, and social research. She is a Davos speaker, a book author, and the founder of the WPP Executive Education Programs in Public Communication and behaviour change. She has also led the establishment of WPP's government practice hubs, which are in London, Brussels, Sydney, Beirut, Singapore, and Nairobi. And she joins me now from London. Very good morning to you, Michelle. Good morning. Thank you. That's a very generous introduction. You must spend a lot of time away from home doing all of that work. Um, well, I, I, over the last five years, I've done a fair amount of travel, but it goes in it goes in spurts. You know, I'll go through a, a couple of months where I'm traveling a lot and then a couple of months where I'm working out of London. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm not leaving London all this week. So in fact, next next couple of weeks. So uh, so that's great. So on your most recent trips, wherever you've been, what is what are the big issues that are burning a hole in government when it comes to public engagement communications about programs, changing behaviours? What, what are the big issues that government are wrestling with in terms of building capability and effectiveness in the way that they speak with people? Well, um, I think governments around the world are wrestling with similar problems, which is, I guess you could say, the biggest, some of the biggest social challenges and public policy challenges of our time are connected to behaviour change. So it's about effectiveness. So whether we're looking at um, the environment, whether we're looking at getting people out to vote and democratic engagement, whether we're looking at whether or not people are paying their taxes online or not, whether it's about how we reduce the cost to serve in public services and then how we increase the effectiveness of the taxpayers' money, um, that's they are the central issues that come to us how to uh, understand what it is that's a barrier to behaviour change, how to unlock that, and therefore how to deliver more effective public policy. So in terms of that, what, what are the biggest challenges that government has in being effective in being able to drive behaviour change? So, I mean, there are a number because changing people's behaviour, especially at the whole population level, isn't easy. And when we look at the sort of global crisis of obesity amongst our young people around the world, we we see what a challenge that can be. But in terms of of really affecting behaviour change, what we tend to see is when things aren't working, it is likely to be that the key insights 
were wrong in the first place. So um, to really understand the way communications and campaign and media planning and creative execution will work. First of all, we need to understand what the levers are that really are likely to shift behavior, the core insights. So the actual quality of the formative research for me is everything. If you haven't understood the things that the barriers to behavior change or the misunderstandings or the the challenges that people have in, in shifting their behaviors, if you haven't got to the heart of that, it doesn't matter how great your channel strategy is or how effective your creative execution is. It won't give you the um, the impact that you want from a public policy point of view. Do, but would you say that government have that they spend an awful lot of money on research? But do you think that is is do are they spending enough? I, well, I, you know, I, I think first of all we've got to give credit for the brilliant work uh, that gets done, and and in you know in Australia and New Zealand you see you see uh, governments doing incredibly effective uh, research and communications, and we see that in other countries, we see that in the UK, we see that in the Netherlands, we increasingly see it around the world. So first of all, let's um, you know let's be clear about how over the last 10 years the sector has transformed itself in the understanding of how to apply behavioural insight and how to how to deliver that through communications. So um, I think my view normally is, yes, that uh, the work is done um, as as much as is possible to, to a high quality. I think that one of the things that we've set out to achieve with our executive education programs which are now in their sixth year at the uh well we have a master's of public policy module we teach at the blavatnik school of government at oxford university and we have an executive education program uh, that we teach at the Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy uh, at the National University of Singapore. So um, I think that if we if we look at that, one of the things that we try to support, um, which may say may seem quite strange coming ourselves from the commercial world, is how to help our clients actually commission as well as possible. And if you look at all of the different areas um, that form an integrated behaviour change uh, program from the government side, it includes media planning, media buying, all of the work that goes into creative strategy and then evaluation, all these different pieces. I think that what I hope is over the last few years, um, the the understanding of how all of that should link together and how to get the best value um, out of the agencies that deliver this different type of work has, has, has increased. Because I think how those different pieces fit together can be quite key in the effectiveness overall of delivering the public policy. So what's the most effective way then to join up those particular uh, elements of, of a research program and communications program? Oh, it's have the people um, who are working on those different parts joined up to operate as a team as much as is possible. And I think, um, you know, sometimes it can feel, I think, for our clients in governments that that, that may be something of an inherent um, contradiction because of the sense that the people who are doing the formative research or the creative execution need to have independent evaluation. So I, I do understand 
um, why clients will often not want the same group to be doing all of that work together. But uh, I think that a different side to that is anyone who's working in these areas will have a passion, should have a passion, a strong passion for what they do and for the use of the tools that they've got to really deliver better public outcome. And so my experience has been that people from different agencies are always happy to get in a room together and operate like a team um, to get the best impact for, for the government agency that they're working for. One of the things that has been a common theme on the podcast over the last you know three or four years that it's been running is the is 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 the lack of teamwork i suppose between you know policymakers and the communications areas where they they're not seen as as one function they're seen very much separately do you see that as as you travel around the world that they're not as joined up as they need to be well certainly that was the inspiration really for setting up the part of the inspiration for setting up the wpp um, government and public sector practice. So it, but it was on both sides. So we would see that government communications, uh, specialists would be brought into an issue towards the end of what you might refer as the public policy cycle in governments rather than at the beginning, that there was often a misunderstanding of how essential communications was as a lever for delivering public policy. So you'd see that um, on the side of the commissioning client, but then equally um, you would see that too in the agencies that if you look at how an integrated cycle of um, communications delivery works, clients, not just in government, but in the commercial sector too, what they want is for the different parts um, of agency life to join up, formative research, media planning and buying, creative evaluation, etc. So I think that, that this has been a problem on both sides. But if you really want everyone to get the best bang for their buck in terms of effective communications, we all know that this has got to be brought together. So I think I think that has been a long term problem in government where um, public policy has been made in isolation of the communication channels for delivering that and uh, making it as effective as possible. But equally, I think on the. On the agency side, the joining up wasn't good enough either. So um, that was our responsibility to get that sorted out. Mm. So in terms of technology, technology is clearly transforming every area of the way we live, the way we work, the way we play, the way we gather information, the way we send information. What sort of impact are you know, the growth of the big platforms, the, you know, the increased speeds, you know, the, the, the power and the speed with which information is now able to be moved around. How much of a challenge is that for the market researchers? Uh, obviously, there's opportunity in it, but there certainly must be challenge. So how is that changing and how can government harness the power of technology to, to gain better insights that lead to better public policy? Yeah. So um, if we say let's take the last 10 years and, and, and then the last five years, because the speed of change, I think we're just beginning to see the start of it in terms of what we would expect into the future. So 
you know, the proliferation of digital channels has transformed our ability um, to reach and understand people. So it's a tremendous asset and it has also given us the opportunity to go much faster on so many things. Now, the flip side of that is uh, two misunderstandings that are very common, that sometimes the technology itself is viewed as more than a tool to understand and deliver. It almost is viewed as the transformation when it isn't it's it's the infrastructure it's the way in which we reach and understand and it what it never does is reduce the importance of the key insight into um the the depth of the social problem or a wicked social problem or the or the human issues that are preventing um public policy being delivered so it is a transformational agent to reach and understand people but it doesn't give you the uh, the actual insight it's not enough the second thing is and I think this is where we always do need to be very careful but I, I think uh, government clients are pretty sophisticated in this understanding it's the you have to be cautious that we don't create more groups that are actually left behind in all of this the impact of technology is not even um, even why it's it's transformation, it's not even. And so we always have to be very careful from a research point of view that the research practices we're following will be adequate for a whole population understanding. And, um, you know, it means as the toolkit to do that has got bigger. Um, so as the complexity of, of how we need to deliver that. Um, so I think anyone who works in the sector has found has found this a pretty, uh, in some ways, exhilarating journey to have these new tools um, at our advantage. But we do need to be cautious. We don't create new groups of, of left behind people. So how, how do you even it out as a researcher? How, how do you resist uh, you know, the, this wave of information and, and to gather those those key foundational insights. How, how, how do you do, how do yeah. you do that at a time where there's so much information? Yeah, thank you. So, um, and this is an area obviously where uh, the team um, in Kantar that that focus on public policy spend a huge amount of time thinking. So, I think where we've got to with this um, as, as our sector is we understand the difference between classical social research approaches. And some of these approaches have been have been with us for decades and they're going to stay with us because they're incredibly effective. So that's everything from the way in which we create sampling frameworks and the way in which we talk to people. And, you know, and just just to be clear, we do as much in home research face to face with participants now as we did 10 years ago around the world so we we still do as much as that and i don't see a time when the ability to be inside someone's home and to build that relationship and to actually build a relationship with some of our participants over the very long term if we're doing longitudinal work. I don't see a time when the power of human interaction, a face to face human interaction is diminished. I think it's it remains absolutely key. So there are all kinds of classical techniques, ethnography, qualitative, everything that your your listeners will be very familiar with. And we, we view them as classical approaches. And they uh, remain absolutely cool. And then we have a program that sits 
around that that we refer to as our frontiers program and that's something that is 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 constantly being updated and it's looking at new techniques um, that may give us insights in particular groups so a lot of the processes that have come on on tap in the last five to ten years new neuroscience approaches or, or new uh, digital technologies that allow us to reach people that might have been harder to reach if they're going to help us get to better insight for our clients then we're going to adopt them or we'll be having conversations with our clients about how this potentially might be helpful but it's genuine innovation and it might not and so we we're very clear about the classical approaches and then the frontiers of innovation that we need to keep testing and some of them will be transformative and some of them won't be and that's that's okay so we are looking for with any new technique that arrives you know our question becomes does this provide the opportunity for a better insight somewhere or does it provide an opportunity to deliver better public value? Does the new technology or new technique reduce the survey burden, for instance? So if we look at um, the work we're doing in Kantar on data science with the way we're looking at everything from national statistics through to behavior change programs, the aim there is to say, can we reduce the survey burden? on our participants, other things that we already know so they don't need to be asked again, so that we can then um, focus our, our clients' um, budgets on, on different parts of that program. So, I mean, I think, I think, it's, um, I think it's, a, it's a great moment, but we are always needing to be careful about techniques that are proven or just emerging, and some things may work and many might not. That's okay. Are you seeing a great change in the skill sets that you need to have inside Kantar to, to deliver programs such as the Frontiers program? Um, it is interesting. I kind of view it as uh, ongoing innovation. So it goes back to the people who have the gold standard classical research skill sets remain absolutely at the heart of what we do and they are of course constantly extending their own skill sets too as uh, new digital approaches emerge and then you know we're very lucky in Cantal because we have capability within the business whether that's data analytics uh, or whether that's the way in which we're applying machine learning so I'm in a uh, the, you know, my team, are, uh, we're in a very fortunate position and that we get to draw down on Kantar's global skill set to apply it to our clients' problems. So we have colleagues who work in in health, specialist capability and consulting, and we can put together the teams that are needed for a client-specific problem, but never reducing our emphasis on gold standard classical research approaches. So if you were to sort of think back, and I'm sure, obviously, as the, the CEO of both Kantar Public and the WPP government and public sector practice, looking into the future, you, you mentioned just in an earlier answer that you just think that the change is only getting started. What, what does five years down the track look like? What, what are we going to see in terms of the way governments... Um, seek to gain insights but not only seek to gain insights but how do they achieve that behavior change 
So I think maybe let's, let's view that as the question being, what what is like is there likely to be a wholesale change in our approaches i think that if we look at the techniques we use um towards understanding behavioral insight so getting to the core beliefs that people have and the barriers that can sometimes be put in place to unlock those behaviors i think that those global public policy challenges um we can see them new ones will emerge but we understand the enormous challenges of inequality of the environment of public health um of and then in the international development sphere where we work of uh, of rapidly changing population growth in some in some of the countries where we work and how to make sure that that's a dividend um rather than uh, than putting more pressure on on public services so we understand those problems and those problems are going to continue to be chipped away at by um, progressive public policies so what i foresee though is technologies that we don't yet even know about rapidly changing our ability to learn to get uh, bigger data insights and to come up with answers potentially faster through machine learning. So um, if I look at the last five years, it's been rapid in terms of the expansion of our skill set. And I think uh, we would expect that or even more. And the skill set then amongst uh, people who work in this sector, it's both having all of these classical and frontiers approaches, but also having a mindset as a practitioner um, that everything that comes along that might help us, we will grab and draw down on because we're all we're all working towards delivering a better public realm. We'll do what we can to uh, uh, to make sure that happens. You mentioned also in an earlier answer, you know, the integrated approach or the integrated team approach by being by bringing you know media planning, media buying, um, creative and and evaluation together. Where do you see that model evolving for governments, given that technology is transforming the way people consume media um, and it's so more so much more fragmented now where people can apply their attention? So how how does that world where, you know, mainstream media, if I could call it that, where audiences are are going elsewhere, how does then um, government deal with that when it's not as easy as just going and, and buying TV, buying radio, doing a bit of PR and, you know, running the campaign for a discrete period of time? Yeah. Um, well, you know, anyone, anyone in our world, um, they know what kind of incredible shift has happened in recent years. And as I say, I think it's it's just getting started and I think we're just beginning to understand the consequences of it. So, you know, I'm I'm uh, sitting here from from London this morning and uh, we have a team in London who um, are expert political pollsters. And I, I think we would, you know, if you're looking at what might happen in the next few months in Britain, I think we would all agree it's the most dangerous white collar job you currently be in because uh, of the transformation in politics, some of which um, has been influenced and shifted through through social media. So we understand that one of the biggest challenges that government now has in communications is the channel proliferation and the shift in 
in all kinds of issues to do with trust. So I think those things are pretty well understood amongst our amongst our client group. How does that get turned around by governments? I mean, this is um, this is an absolutely massive issue. And the WPP government practice over the last three to four years We've been running a global research program with government communicators to to specifically look at um, to look at those issues and to and what that's helped us understand is the commonality in the issues that our uh, government communications experts and leaders feel around the world with how to um, rebuild trust, how to uh, reconnect with citizens. So that's that's an absolutely enormous challenge it's almost like a paradigm shift in the world in which we operate now the the flip side of that is with the uh, proliferation of channels we actually can also see we've got more ways to reach people um, at times and then with uh, the ability to integrate machine learning into the work that we're doing what we do now have is the opportunity to understand from a campaign or a communications point of view whether or not something is working in a way that's much faster than it used to be i mean 10 years ago maybe even five years ago we'd be waiting for the research findings to come back from the field for us now you can understand it overnight whether or not something's landing well so um, I don't think any of us doubt the seriousness of the transformation around the world in the relationship between citizens and government um, from the point of view, though, of measuring campaign effectiveness, the ability. To, I mean, I don't really like this uh, phrase fail fast. I don't know why I don't like it, but because, um, you know, no one wants to fail at all, do they? But but to learn how to iteratively improve a communications campaign that the digital transformation helps us do that. Mm. So in terms of that research, which I would commend people to go and have a look at, that's the WPP Global Research into uh, public sector communication issues. Yeah, they just All they need to do is to go to the WPP Government Practice website and they'll be able to click through. It's... It does have a bit of a despairing tone about it, though, doesn't it? And the most recent sort of um, research was all about, you know, the problems that the research identified in the first case were there, and here yeah. are our issues. And then the latest then research the, is the, like... Yeah, it, it, the, the, what we found was that people found it got worse. It got worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's the leader's report. So... You know, what we're doing is talking to hundreds of, of leaders in government communications and then distilling uh, what they're telling us. So it's a, you know, we're consolidating these viewpoints around core themes. And, yeah, it doesn't make for easy <laughs> reading because there's a huge amount of concern. And I think it's I think it's about where we are um, in this moment, both, you know, in terms of. Politics and economics, I mean, we have very good reason, don't we, at times to feel very concerned. And I think that comes through um, in the research findings. And we're very honest um, in that. But what I hope, I hope there's some inspiration in the way we talk about the, the techniques and tools that we have to communicate with people. And, you know, anyone listening to this, we all believe 
in the power of communications. You know, my um, my colleague, uh, Sean Larkins, who leads the uh, leaders report, and he always says, you know, governments can regulate and they can tax and they can legislate or they can communicate. And uh, let's remember the power of effective communications. And it's beholden on all of us to use this this capability to do all we can to rebuild trust, because uh, without it, we certainly won't be driving behavior change. Indeed. And I think probably that the thing that strikes me with it as well is the massive opportunity and really the need for mindsets within government to continue to learn, to continue to change, to continue to be curious and continue to, uh, you know, embrace the change because you can't stand against it. It's coming. So you really have to get your dancing shoes on. Yeah, and let's also be inspired by the brilliant work that does get done. You know, and that's that's the thing that's so easily missed. And some of it, I think because we're so used to these areas of public policy, I think for some of us, you know, the risk is it starts to feel humdrum when it isn't because it touches people's lives and it's a very noble work. And, a, you know, if the work that is done on road safety, the work that is done across public health, um, you know, Kantar was incredibly proud to work in Australia on the on the work on domestic violence, which I mean, I, you can't look at that uh, creative execution of that work and, and to understand the power of the research that went behind it without being moved. We have a team um, in India working on a long term program with Gavi, you know, the Global Alliance on, on Vaccination, which is using behavioral insight and communications to change the vaccination journey for children under two. I, I mean, when I look at this work, when I actually get into the detail of the work that our teams are doing um, for their clients and the public policies they're addressing effectively, I mean, I can find it pretty moving. And that's the that's the flip side to you know what we're reading in the headlines every day and what we know we're being challenged by in terms of uh, in terms of politics and global political um, shifts I think you know you get back into the campaign you get back into the aim and delivery of government communications and I think you can feel heartened again I completely agree I can wholeheartedly agree and I think that's certainly you know part of this podcast is really about that is to give people the encouragement about you know, they're doing important work and that it has real purpose, it has real mission. And as you say, if it can do something uh, to improve the lives of people, then it's got to be a good reason to get out of bed every day. So, Michelle, thank you very much and thank you very much for taking our call early in the morning. I'll let you go and uh, get on with your I'll very... I'll go get some busy- more coffee inside of me. <laughs> good luck and um, I look forward to catching up with you again when you're next uh, down under. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And thanks to you, ladies and gentlemen, for coming back once again. What a great interview. What a very intelligent lady there, Dr. Michelle Harrison, running the work of Kantar Public globally, but also the CEO of WPP Government and Public Sector Practice. And if you haven't looked at that research, the leaders report, just whack it into your search engine and go and have a look at it because it is it is great reading. It's a very, very important piece of um fundamental research um, that is that really uh, helps um, to give you some insights about what those common problems are around the world and uh, what we need to do about some of them. So anyway, thanks to you for coming back. I'll be back at the same time in two weeks' time. But for the moment, it's bye for now. 
You've been listening to the GovComs podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes.